Welcome back, everyone, to the Two Pointers Podcast. I'm Josh. I'm Trevor. And this week, we have a special guest on, Ryan Hammer, um, as we're going to go through breaking down uh, last night's NBA draft. Uh, Not last night at this point, but uh, last week's NBA draft. It feels like it was very recent. Trevor, how are you doing? Uh, Look, I told Ryan before we started, um, best day of the week. Anytime we can talk about, uh, I guess this is a great way to combine podcast recording day and the draft. I'm super excited. Uh, Like I also said before, like I feel like I had less winners and losers in last year. People who uh, have been here for a year now can uh, maybe attest to that. uh, Let me know. But I feel like I have less to say or think about this draft. I think that may change. There's a lot about this draft we'll have to wait and see on. Um, So I'm super excited to talk about it with, like you said, awesome guest, uh, Ryan Hammer from TikTok, Hawks Collective. Uh, Super excited to have you on, Ryan. How are you? I'm good. I appreciate y'all for having me. I know we've been trying to get this in the works for a while, but like you said, it seems like good timing. The Monday after draft, it does feel like last night. It also, at the same time, feels like it was like a year ago. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I stayed up way too late uh, the night of. So yes, I am feeling the <laughs> yeah. uh, what feel. I'm glad we're not doing this. Uh, the what quote yesterday, right? Talking about the uh, draft was last night because I, man, I would be uh, half as what I am today in terms of oh, running yeah. on for you. So, exactly. uh, but I'm super excited to talk about it. Josh, I think we just ripped the band-aid off, go right into winners, losers. Uh, before we do that, though, Ryan, tell people a little bit about yourself, just what you do. Uh, obviously, we introduced a couple of the places, but just a few minutes, and then you also get that at the end as well, like every guest. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, I like basketball creator for the most part, lover of all sports, though, basketball, football, soccer. Uh, New Jersey through and through, born and raised, but I'm a Hawks fan, Atlanta. That's a long story. I'm not going to waste you guys' time with that one. Um, everything is New York, New Jersey sports and stuff like that, except for that. And, uh, and Maryland basketball. Thanks to my older brother. But, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Big draft fan, college basketball fan. Those are the two biggest things that I'm into. So, All right. Well, uh, Josh, like I said, without further ado, let's go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off. We'll go winners first. We'll start this on a really, really light note because I feel like we'll spend a little bit more time on winners. So we're going to start, like always, guests going to go first. Give us the first winner. Uh, who was the biggest winner in this draft, and why was it Denver for taking Christian Brown? <laughs> I'm a huge Christian Brown fan. If they didn't take Peyton Watson at 30, I, they'd, they'd be on here for me because I like the Kamigate <laughs> pick too. Um, it'd be like I feel like it's a crime not to sit, go start with the Pistons. Like they, Ivy falling to five was the easiest pick in the draft for, for sure. They like there was nothing else they wanted. They even said that. Um, I have a feeling that we're gonna look back in a few years like we have many times with the Kings picks. Uh, we'll get we'll we'll get to the Kings, but they, uh, but Ivy at five was so easy for them, and then. Duran was their other guy, and like I don't think people considered that enough because they thought that they were going to go for Aiton in a signing trade or something like that, and they need a center like that. So I don't know why no one ever really thought about it, but Duran sitting on the board, and they kind of swindled their way into the, to be the third team to fill the void with the Hornets and Knicks, and they swooped in and got Duran. So having those two guys, then even Gabriel Prochita, who like is a decent second round prospect from Italy, um, but those two guys at the top, like it's tough to get guys who many consider two of the top five six seven guys in the entire draft at those positions so josh yeah i knew that somebody whether somebody being one of you two was going to do the pistons so i intentionally tried to not put them on my winner's list and i officially did not so josh i'm curious your thoughts on the pistons draft yeah i think they had a great draft they got the what they see is the premier talent like ryan said in ivy they got duran who was probably one of the steals of the draft who fell a little further than he probably should have got him for not very much stuff in the like immediate future they found two teams who just really didn't want to uh put rookies on their roster honestly i think it's the best way to say it um and they moved into that spot i think they did a good job i think it uh 
bears to be seen kind of where they go from here. There was kind of the rumors of going after Aiden. Is are they going to like fast track this development with Cade, or are they going to kind of slow roll it with Jalen Duran? Kind of becomes the question. But I think it was a really good night for Detroit. Feels like a roadblock moment. I, I have no no idea whether this is going to be a roadblock or like I guess a stepping stone or a stumbling block. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Is is the Aiden thing since they don't think they're going to get him possibly or because maybe I saw the Nets odds move. You don't want to pay for him. Conversation. That's true. That's way more save, expensive. Save a lot of money. <laughs> Well, also the Nets odds moved today, and I'm wondering if there's something more there with Aiton. They jumped up into like the third best odds for Aiton as of today, before the Kyrie news, which we won't talk about today, unfortunately. But uh, just the chaos around all of that situation. I don't know what's going on with the Aiton thing. They thought they were the favorite for the longest time. Josh, uh, I'm curious who your next biggest winner is. I'm going to go very easy here and say Oklahoma City is a big winner from the draft. Uh, They got who you and I ranked as the top talent, Trevor. In the draft with Chet Holmgren at number two. Uh, they traded up to getting a very, like, I think interesting piece in Usman Dieng. Uh, trading all future capital. Some people think moving to first-round picks was too much. I think it's a really good spot there if you've got a guy you want and you've got 30 picks in the bank for the next five or six years, like OKC has, just move it. And they're able to do that, and then also to be able to add Jalen Williams. Anytime that you can get your pick, basically, of three guys you want in the lottery, I think you're going to have a pretty good night, and uh, they did. I think an interesting point to note that all three of those picks were protected. So, like, at the end of the day, they weren't unprotected first. They're not throwing at the wall. So yeah. the way I wanted to approach it, because, again, same thing. I knew one of you two was going to do this, so I was like, <laughs> let me just put the thunder off. I wanted to be prepared for anarchy in case both of you went with the two that I was going to do. But really quick, I, I've we've been following your content for a little while. But for those that might be new here, first time hearing you, etc., obviously we'll talk about uh, in the description as well. As towards the end, we'll talk about where we can find you. But did the Thunder get the number your number one guy at two? If I was drafting, if I was a GM, he's my number one. So I I put a big board out. Obviously, Paolo was my number one. I think just because of how easily I foresee him being successful in the league, and I I am very high on Chet as well. Like I'm a Chet truther. I defend him very often, as you guys know. People in social media like to attack him for many reasons. But um, if I was drafting number one in the draft, I'd take Chet. So I would say yes. And they were always definitely always eyeing up Chet. He was always eyeing up OKC. He even like withheld his medicals from Orlando to make sure they didn't take him at one, which is insane to me. But it, I, I do agree with you guys on that one. Good. That's what we thought. We were also chat truthers, so we wanted to get that out there to be like, whether you have a one or two, it sounds like you went two different directions with it. Either way, he's not three. It's kind of the big takeaway there. Really quickly on one of mine, because like I said, I wanted to just kind of pivot from the two that I feel like we're going to come up regardless. I have a couple of other ones that aren't like specifically a team related. We'll get to those in a second, but... The Houston Rockets, I think, regardless of how the one and two thing happened with the shock of Paolo, whether we think it's a shock or not, I, you still get a top three guy. It's not like they fell out. It's not like they went and traded back or anything like that. They got Jabari Smith. Great. Obviously not the situation that they, for months, were thinking, oh, Paolo's going to be our guy. No big deal, right? Uh, but Jar- Jabari Smith, I think, is a great fit. I, obviously, they'll figure out the point guard situation moving forward. I love the Tari Eason connection. Uh, we had a good friend of the show, James Piercy, on. He talked about the connection with Seattle. I am not shocked. I was like, if Tari's there after all the things he told us about the Seattle connection with all the people there, mm-hmm. if he's on the board, they're taking him. And I, I had to just believe it. 
I was like, that that it just makes too much sense, and they did exactly that. And then one of my guys we'll talk about later uh, a little bit more, but Ty Ty Washington at 29, at that point you're taking a guy that's not 29th best in this draft yeah. class. You're taking him way, way lower than he should have been. So I think people are just going to throw around all these top teams or whatever and be like, oh, yeah, this team won, that team won, maybe a couple here. You know, but I just think the Rockets had a really good draft. Care to comment? Anything about that, Ryan? Any, any contrary? Any uh any no, I definitely agree. The Tari thing is interesting because I was on the page like, yes, they need a guy like that that's going to do things that no one else in the roster does, but does he fit their timeline? Like, I guess he does in a sense a year or two off. It's not going to make a big difference. Um, I actually thought they would have considered Ty Ty at 17. I like Ty Ty also. And when the, I, I said to people that he was going to, that teams like the Heat could use him when the, before the Mavs traded 26 for Wood, that they could have used him. Um, in the back end of the 20s, people were like, oh, he won't be on the board that long. I'm like, he might be because there's not a lot of point guards here and not a lot of teams want the traditional guards. So he started to slide, and I thought that was great also. And if you look at what they did last year too, after Jalen Green, they took Josh Christopher, Alperin Shingun, and even Usman Garubu, who hasn't really like progressed as well as the other two. But the four first-round rookies last year and three this year, like if they're anywhere as good as the group was last year, like the, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. It's going to take a long time for them, but it's gonna, they're going to be a lot of fun. I'm almost not surprised, Jess. We talked about this, uh, I think, on the mock. We talked about this. I, I'm kind of like, I, w- I would have flirted with the Dalen Terry idea a little bit. I'm personally not high on Dalen Terry, like a lot of people in the draft world are. I think we're in love with the prospect sometimes. I think I tweeted at you about that actually one time. I think yeah. we're in love with the prospect, not the guy he actually is. And I had a couple of people tell me things that I felt better about after a while. But, I mean, he went the next pick later to Chicago at 18, so I'm almost kind of shocked by the fact that he didn't potentially go at 17 with Houston, but they end up getting the guy. I feel like Ty Ty was a good fit all along, and I'm glad that mm-hmm. they went there. I agree. I'll throw another one at you guys that I think is just really neat to understand about what happened leading up to this, and I think you might have touched on this. If not, it's been touched on in the draft world before the draft happened. I have to say a winner is Jake Laravia and his agent. <laughs> and people are people are you guys are laughing because you know exactly what I'm referring true, to. Yeah, Those that have no idea what I'm talking about. At one point, I think it was literally four weeks ago. It wasn't like it was four months ago when he was still yeah. at Wake Forest and showing some flashes, etc. This is a guy that, for the most part, was a middle. Se- I'm just relaying it for people that might not know this. Middle of the second for a while. Early. Well, at that time, everybody thought he was 22. Right. It was getting, but he was in <laughs> that, that was like, that was a serious he issue. Getting, he was getting <laughs> two higher, years younger than everyone thought he was. <laughs> right. He was getting higher regardless of that. And then all of a sudden in the last like four weeks, basically his agent completely fixes all of this chaos about him actually being 20 instead of 22. And then he immediately gets picked at what? 19th, right? Did I get that right? 19th. Yeah. I mean, he gets traded to Memphis regardless how Minnesota felt about him, but Memphis went up and got their guy. So I guess my question for you guys is, what are your thoughts on Jake LaRavia? Because I think, Josh, you had him in your big board uh, top 30. We did a top 30 this year, uh, and then I did not, but I think you had him at 32. So it really wasn't like I was that far out on him. I mean, he was the number two contributor on a very good Wake Forest team this past season. Obviously, the fact of him being only 20 years old instead of 22 kind of massively inputs as to why he took that leap up the board once people realized he's this good and has, like, two more years to develop to what they actually thought he was yeah i think it's a good spot to go in memphis they um often take players like laravia that kind of have that versatility to do a lot of different things they're not there's nothing about him that necessarily jumped off the page at me in any one category but i thought he was pretty solid across the board yeah i think even 19 was still high going into the draft yeah. and I, higher than everyone thought like i'm like okay he's done a great job jumping in this process up to like 
the mid twenties, probably early if someone wants to reach on him. And then I heard his name and I was like, good for him though. He's like, I think like Josh kind of mentioned it. Wake Forest, like they were good, but they were good because of him and Alondis. And him and Alondis had to do everything. So I think that balances out his game very well, made him a really good secondary playmaker, patient on the ball and stuff like that. He's obviously a good scorer, but it also made him a better defender and stuff like that because he was impacting the game everywhere. He had no choice. Um, and I think the Grizzlies don't have a lot of guys like that. That's why I liked guys like Dalen Terry for them, guys that can do a little bit of everything because for them to make that playoff jump, they definitely need guys uh, who can impact on both ends of the floor and really all over because they can't just keep adding to the wing group. They kind of did actually beyond the Laravia pick, but they can't just keep adding to that and hopefully hoping they're going to make a jump. So, I mean, they did exactly what they've been doing recently, and they went up and right. got their guys. They went up and got Laravia. They went up and got David Roddy because you know for a fact, you knew for a fact coming into this, whether you like David Roddy or not, Philadelphia wasn't picking there at 23. Uh, we all knew that. Uh, and then I think there's another guy in the second I'm missing because I have to flip through this quickly. They got Kenny Chandler too, I remember, Chandler. 38. Yeah. They traded they got, for him. That's mm-hmm. right. A guy I'm surprised the Spurs almost didn't keep, but obviously they right. got they got a little bit of a logjam, I guess. But, um, but, yeah, they went up and got plenty of the guys that they wanted, and they did exactly what some teams are hesitant to do sometimes. They're like, we have – like. We don't need these handful of picks here in the future. They're like, here's a couple seconds, and then boom, they're getting guys that they really, really liked. Whether we liked him that much or not, Josh clarifying it here, I pulled it back up. Jack, Josh had him at 28. Like I said, I had him at 32, so not that. Yeah, not none that. of us expected <laughs> 19. <laughs> but also, like, Memphis just generally seemed to know what they wanted out of this draft, and they didn't seem to be Wait waiting on that. anybody else to – like, I guess, confirm their reasoning for drafting people at places? Because I don't think any of us had David Roddy at 23. Right, yeah, They started at 22 and 29 going into draft night. Laravia would have been there at 22 unless, I don't know, something that the GMs all know, and Roddy would have been there at 29. Mm-hmm. I'm, sitting there, I'm like, they didn't have Fair. to do that, but go ahead. Do what you got to do. Yeah. They know what they wanted. They yeah. have a strategy and they're sticking to it. Any other big winners from you guys that were kind of outside the box or any other teams that you were absolutely like, I have to mention it on this winners and losers segment? Uh, I mentioned the Pacers just because, like, I had a few teams. I'll, I'll let like you guys that. fill in the gas, but I want to mention the Pacers only because, like, I like their three picks. They had Benedict Matherin at six, Andrew Nemhard at 31. I love Andrew Nemhard and Kendall Brown at 48. I understand why he slid. I think it's way too far for him. But on top of that, like they didn't force a draft day trade, and with the Brogdon rumors, the Miles Turner rumors, like I was, I felt proud. I, I'm not, I don't care about the Pacers. I just almost felt proud that they didn't force a trade because it seemed like they were going to do something on draft night, whether it was take whatever they can get for Brogdon and or Turner or something else, and they stayed where they were. They took the value that made the most sense, and they probably had some offers on the table. They had discussions for one or not both of them, and. They didn't take them, so I was like happy to see that because they're not forcing it, and they have all offseason to take care of that. So, yeah, I had that too, Josh. I had the I'm really happy what the Pacers did. I didn't necessarily have them as a winner because I wanted to keep it with a couple of things, you know, just not go too many out of the way because I feel like there was way more winners than losers. But yeah, I had the same thing, Josh. I think that yeah, I agree. They're smart not to have jumped on a draft day trade, and I wish they had. So I wish Miles Turner was in Charlotte, but it's neither here nor there on that side. I had a couple of different winners. I loved San Antonio's draft. I thought they I added three incredible eventually. pieces. Uh, Sohan, who I think is a great player, I just don't like for personal reasons. Blake Wesley and Malachi Branham. Malachi Branham being a guy that I had all the way up, I think at like 13 or 14 in my big board. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of surprised that he slid down. I think San Antonio got really incredible value uh, for the picks they took. And I think it's going to help them on a rebuild. 
And then also winner is Jalen Williams. <laughs> Just jumping <laughs> up from late first round to get to that lottery money at number 12. So 12. I thought you were just going to say the name Jalen Williams. I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that yeah. one too. Yeah. The name <laughs> yeah. Jalen Williams in Oklahoma City. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I'm curious about the. I, I like, I knew Josh was going to throw in the Spurs at some point in the matter of these segments because they did have a good draft. And I just figured if it was going to be the three of us, it would probably be Josh. I'm curious on the Malachi Branham thing because this is one of the guys that Josh and I just completely, mm-hmm. I feel like, I, I, I contradict, we contradict ourselves or like we're on the opposite ends, I guess is the word I'm. He had him at 13. I had him at 23. I'm one of the lower in the draft community on Malachi Branham. And he went exactly where I felt like he should have gone, in that 20 to 23 range. So where did you have him? And I'm just curious if you felt like that was good value. Uh, I don't remember a final number, but it was the latter. It was 20. It was in the low 20s. I He had a great, like, big Big 10 in conference play season. I like the offensive style he has. I like what he can do. He's polished. He's super efficient. Probably the one of the most efficient wing scorers you'll find in the class. His offensive upside, I like personally, I buy into a guy like Bryce McGowan's more than I do for him because of the upside. Bryce is like raw potential upside. And I think a team with the Spurs, especially, you can get what you get out of Malachi, out of Bryce, and then some. I think that's what I think, at least based on what I've seen from Bryce and like down the road, at least. So I don't think there should be a, such a deep disparity. So I was actually encouraging to see him drop that far. But knowing the Spurs, he's going to be. A 25 point score in like 10 years. Yeah, yeah that's exactly fits the bill. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad you said that point about Bryce McGowan's because I had him at 26. So again, I agree that there's not a big gap there. And I feel like what you're getting, we'll talk about Bryce later. I'm not going to. I got him at Bryce 21. I'll, I'll check. I'm I'll, I'll save you these things about Bryce McGowan's. It's very encouraging. I, I was... look, we'll, like I said, we'll talk about it because we're for those that are uh, <laughs> okay. listening and not seeing the timestamps and stuff. But um, we're going to specifically talk about all three of our teams' drafts after we hit the losers here. Because about 20 minutes in on the winners, I'm really happy to say I feel like we covered a lot of them. The last one I had, just want to throw at you guys as a joke, obviously, but it, I do think it is important to note the Mobley family. Yes, they, there we go. The Mobley family. Love it, that. It, awesome. I, as soon as they picked him, I, and Josh had to leave, like I said, unfortunately. So I don't know if you got home in time for that. Uh, Josh, but I am sitting here at that point by myself and in my living room and I'm going, I, I just fist pumped. I don't know what else. I didn't know how else to react. I'm just like, that's so I'm, I'm just, I'm all for those feel good stories. And the fact that they, they worked at USC and why can't yeah. they work? You know, obviously they're different styles of prospects and what they can do. I don't, I don't necessarily know what Isaiah's I mean. Isaiah is probably going to spend most of next year in the G league, but hundred percent, but just, it just made me feel good. Like it and was they traded for that game. pick too, right? The Cavs. Pretty sure they, they traded for that 40, whatever, 48, whatever it was. They had, to flip here. they had an early and a late, and I think they traded for that one at 40 something. That's where they took them, which is like when they did that, I was like, I literally changed my whole entire mock. I was like, they're getting Isaiah 100%. Oh, you, so you called it then. See, that's I did, yeah, but for the last pick, it was like 58 or 57 or something like that. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah. So then 40, yeah, at 49, they took him. Yeah. It looks like it must have been pre draft. I think, I think you're right. I think it was pre draft. It was yep. a second rounder. Yeah. They did take him, and it was like, Feel good story. Really happy to say. Um, I'll skip my other one because it was Duke. Because Duke got a bunch of guys again. Four in the first and one in the second. So uh, we'll skip Duke. All right. So you got well, you guys North Carolina and North Carolina State fans, right? Yeah. So uh, it worked out really well for the opposite there. <laughs> just, just so just so I know. I am uh, I have two. I graduated from UNC. So. Okay. Yeah. Just so I know we can all hate on Duke then. That's pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Nice. That's why I skipped him. That's I, <laughs> I was like, that is a winner if you think about it. You know, Paolo going one unexpectedly. Mark Williams, AJ Griffin, Wendell Moore, by the way. A lot of people didn't see that coming. Some people did, but then Trevor Kills going 42. I was like, 
I, can you you can't call them losers? They had a good draft. <laughs> I mean, Duke had a good draft. Shocker. I mean, they're losers because they don't get to keep any of those guys for next season. But... That's true. All right. Well, that's a great way to segue to losers because uh, <laughs> I didn't have a ton of losers. Um, so I'm going to open it up to you guys. I have a feeling you're going to take one of mine immediately. But who do we have, Ryan, as the biggest loser? I'm, I'm going to go a little off the off the radar here, I guess. Uh-oh. I'm going to go with o- OTE, Overtime Elite League. I had that. Uh, I I had a feeling that wasn't going to be the one taken, and you took that it. Was, okay, wow. Like, I have other things. I'll let you guys get to what you have because I don't want to like take those. And like, I, I just feel like that's a big problem for the OTE that they. So Don Barlow was like fringe drafted, probably slightly likely. John Montero going undrafted is insane. I think it really shows what the front offices are thinking about the OTE and at least their questions in it. Where the Thompson twins next year are going to be lottery picks, top ten picks, maybe even top five picks, but. This is not a good start for OTE, and like guys are going to start to go away from it. And I'm not saying that Thomas and Twins are going anywhere because they probably get paid very handsomely down there, and they probably do a lot of fun things and stuff like that. But I just think it's going to deter prospects from going there for a long time, and it's going to take even longer for the OTE to get the respect that they want. Uh, I think longer than everyone else expected, longer than I expected, because I thought those are two draft-worthy prospects. They both found homes with the Knicks and the Spurs, probably going to be NBA players long-term, and they should be fine next year. Um, but it's still definitely a big concern for them. So, Yeah, I think the fit was a great point, Josh. I know we've talked about Overtime Elite uh, a couple of times here and there. We've made our thoughts pretty clear, but we haven't talked about it in a while, so I guess this is your your moment. Are you shocked by this? Where are you at? Where are you at? I haven't done a lot of – I haven't been paying attention to OT, apparently, like the GMs have. Um, (laughs) I remember the last time we talked about them was about a year ago, and they had no plans for how they were going to have players have competitions – they had no plans for how they were going to fund the league and fund all the money they were paying people. They had really no business model at all other than they were handing out contracts. So I would have to look into how things look right now. Either way, though, it's two guys that were, like you said, worthy, per se. I think Montero more than and, yeah. and Don Barlow. But I just I can't believe some GM didn't look at Montero's, you know, international stuff and go he can pass like he can crafty, really really yeah. pass like and they i'm just shocked and the don barlow one i was never high on him i don't think i had him i didn't even craft that far of a board that we went public with <laughs> that would have had him way further than that i would have stopped crafting there so but it's just i don't know i i think it was a win if we're flopping there like the opposite obviously i think it's a win for the julie Knight continuing to show that they can hold their own obviously it's an nba program but those are the two guys are going with instead of college so it's kind of like right. You have to weigh both of them in that scenario, and those were the two top guys, obviously, like you said. There's well, yeah. some track record moving forward. Hopefully. I mean, I think the G League Knight was always going to win, and, I mean, in that Big situation, time. the NBA teams have more access than they do in any other capacity to scout these guys. They have an entire... Some teams have entire scouting apartments for the G League. Like, it's... Yeah. Not well, it's also, they can, they can just walk into their practices every day. That's right. You can't do that sure, with the college yeah. players. But the G League Ignite players... Every team can send their scouts to practice to watch them if they want to. Yeah, sure. like they during the draft process when they do private workouts, like they treat it like practice. And I think guys shoot up the boards and shoot down all over so often in the last like month leading up to the draft because getting to know them and like seeing them in a training and like seeing them when they're drinking water and talking to people, I think that holds more value than people think. So like Josh kind of mentioned, like seeing if they could see that in practice and understand that a little more ahead of time, then they can have a much more like confident opinion about those guys. Josh, I have a, I think I know where you might go, and if not, then I'll say I have two. But um, I'm curious where you're going with the biggest loser here, because I think we all just kind of picked one big loser or a couple of them. Um, I didn't have a ton, to be clear. 
It's kind of a dual one. New York Knicks slash New York Knicks fans. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's Tell a pretty more. recurring one, but... Tell us um, Excited to hear this. Do the Knicks... Do, can anyone remind me... I don't recall... The Knicks didn't take anyone in the first round. Correct. No, correct. They traded everything away. In the same way as Charlotte, their compensation for that wasn't particularly high. Uh, part of it was just offloading Kimball Walker's contract was a huge part of that compensation, was getting rid of a player. For a team that had as bad a year as the Knicks had this past season, with one of the only bright spots they've had in the past couple of years being Julius Randle not working out and wanting to leave, <laughs> to not take a young player to build around... Maybe they have some great plan. It seems like their plan is Jalen Brunson and uh, more power to them if that's what it is. But, like, that's demoralizing for a fan base. Because it kind of just makes you feel like, what kind of hope do you have for the future? I mean, I guess just RJ and Brunson are bust, I guess, is the, the plan. Where does that get you? Where does that, like, where does that get them? Well, that's kind of my point. Like, yeah, I'm with yeah. you. Yeah. Maybe some plans are coming to Madison Square Garden in the future. <laughs> probably not a seven-game series. Probably more late lottery picks that they trade to offload Jalen Brunson's contract in two years. Or Evan Fournier's. Yeah. It's true. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to walk on eggshells, because it feels like you were walking on eggshells. I know you threw the fan point in there about the Knicks. Well, and... I mean, I saw Stephen A. Smith cry on national television. I just assumed <laughs> that, and then we were just going to take a second no, to eulogize it... the Knicks fans. I'm not. I, it's well-deserved. So, what... <laughs> The reason I say this is because, A, I, I wanted to let you get through it because I knew you had some stuff there. Um, I had the same exact thing, so that's why I was like, go ahead, go ahead, get it out of the way. One of us is going to have to say it. Um, you said it a little bit, and I'll, I'll go with this piece of it that I think is important to note. If trading away 11, who, by the way, if great, if they didn't value Usman Jang, Jalen Durham was on the board. Let's just say that was the pick. All right, look, Who cares if they like Jang or not? Or it's, if you're going when now, Oche Agbaji was great. that wouldn't have been a major reach at that point. No, not from like eleven on, probably not. You're right. But if you're tra- and, and you kind of said it, but here's why I want to like hammer down why I think it was a big loser is if trading away eleven. And look, I'm not. This is not. Please, people out there, don't aggregate this. This is not a Jalen Brunson diss. But if you're trading away eleven, which is a lottery pick, a good pick, to free up Kimba's contract, which there's other ways to do that, and there's other you can get rid of Kimba in other ways to in that same night. Charlotte would have taken him. <laughs> I'm so sick of hearing that. <laughs> anyway, to get, he's going to end up there at the end of the offseason. I'm just saying. To, to ultimately, I'll get to my point. To ultimately get rid of 11 for cap space for Jalen Brunson, I just don't understand. I, I just don't feel like you needed. I don't know if it cost. I don't know if it was. It was going to cost 11. I live. <laughs> I live like I, I can see New York City literally across the river right here from my window, yeah, and cool. and I grew up around a lot of Knicks fans, so I talked to a lot of them, close to a lot of them. They try to add a lot of them, which is fine. They try to say, you know, well, we got we got three seconds, we got three first round picks out of it. They ended up giving eleven, four seconds, and Kemba's contract. So they gave a four seconds, which is like four seconds aren't worth a lot, but four of them seems insane. They got back the Bucks 2025 first rounder. Giannis is still going to be playing. They're going to be a contender that year. Plus two of the Thunder picks, but they're heavily protected outside like lottery. And then one of them's like eight top 18 or something like that. Like they're insanely protected where you're never going to get a pick 11 out of either of those three. And you give up four seconds out of it. Like 
it's not those people say like, oh, we got three first round picks. I'm like, no, you don't. You have three late first round picks. That's what you have. You got three thirtieth overall picks. Like that's not the same. Yeah, no, it's not yeah, the same yeah. thing. And I can't, like I said, not a Jalen Brunson diss. I, if that's the guy they really, really mm-hmm. think is worth twenty five million, so be it. Right. That's probably shocker to those that might be shocked by that number I just said. That might be what he's getting paid. That's probably what he's getting paid twenty two to twenty five million. And it, after all the things they did with the hiring his, his you know relatives and stuff, it just. There's just too much there where I'm like, that's exactly the plan, and that they wanted to execute it, and albeit they, they don't think they need Jalen Duran, or they maybe they think they're getting Mitchell Robinson back. They're, they're going to look back and be like, when Brunson, when Julius is older and he's done, and they're going to not have won much and done anything, they're going to look back and be like, wow, if we would have drafted someone on a better timeline, we would not be wasting RJ's prime. So what? What is he like? Say he's like 22, right? 23 right now. 23. 20, yeah. 20, yeah, something like that. Too. When he's 26 in a few years and this experiment is all done with Brunson, whatever, even if Brunson's still on the team, they're going to be like, wow, RJ's in his prime right now. And maybe he wants to leave at that point. You never even know. Probably not. But they, they're going to be like, wow, we don't have another guy we can pair next to him who's, who's a couple years younger than him that has blossomed into a nice second option. They just, they're not going to have that because of situations like this. And It's just unfortunate because it's like you're talking about the money piece of it too. The 11th overall pick is going to cost you less than Jalen Brunson. Now, obviously, there's not a point guard there that's worth that. But it's, if you're just thinking money long-term, they obviously didn't want to close the Kyrie door. And as we're recording this on Monday, June 27th, first time I've said <laughs> that, the Kyrie situation has changed completely, the landscape of that. So I I don't know. I'm just – I'm glad we all had it because I'm pretty sure we probably all yeah. did. At least Josh and I did. So oh, yeah. I'm glad you did too. I'll say I'll throw this one out there, and if there's any other ones you guys want to hit quickly, then we go into our teams, et cetera. Um, we're doing great on time. I don't know why I'm trying to get through this. But <laughs> barring – Major medical issues that come out in the next couple of months. Every team that passed on EJ Liddell is, deserves to be considered a loser after the NBA draft. Especially the playoff teams that are like mm-hmm. teams that are going to, they know they're going to be in the playoffs and contend. 100%. I'm glad that's a good angle because honestly, just any team, any team yeah, could use EJ, EJ Liddell. He's a, he's a just a mature, intelligent adult in the room winner and does things and he has longer length than six foot eight at small, you know, like a small power forward. There's just too many things where, like, New Orleans, I saw all these, like, things floating around about, like, he's going to be Herb Jones again where they're going to get another all-rookie second-team guy in the second round, which could – what could happen? Yeah. I just – I want to put the asterisks right now before people, like, take – you know, see this in a couple of months and they're like, well, he turned out because he had – you know, he had a bad hip or whatever, you know. I'm not wishing anything on that guy, obviously. I'm just making sure that I say that barring anything that we don't know right this moment – it's just idiotic that teams would spend like 41 picks. I just don't – well, let's just yeah. be real. Obviously, he's not going to the top 10. But 31 picks, 30 picks, whatever. That's just crazy to me. So where did you have E.J. Liddell? I know that – I remember seeing some stuff about E.J. Liddell from you, but I just – was there somewhere where you were like, I'm just floored by that? Because I had him at 16. All things I, had a, I had him at 26, but like a high 26. If I'm, and I'm, That makes more like sense because 26 is 26. <laughs> but I, like I had him like as the, the first guy in that in the next in the fourth tier behind like high upside guys like Blake Wesley and like Bryce McGowan and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I had him ahead of like Mark Williams, ahead of Nikola Jovic, ahead of Kendall Brown. I just like it's so easy to nice. buy into what he offers. He's almost like an undersized big. Like he can shoot the ball. He's a really good shot blocker at his size. He's a freak athlete. Like. He was jumping out of the gym at, on the vertical test and all the drills and com- and the combine stuff. And I just like teams like the Sixers, the Heat, even like the Grizzlies that are like, these teams want to win a championship in the next two or three years, even one year for most of them. Like, I, I, it, it's crazy to me. It is absolutely crazy uh, that these teams didn't, they probably considered it, uh, like you said, unless something's wrong, but the Pelicans are a playoff team also. So when they saw them on the board, they're like, you guys are all screwed basically. So 
Yeah, Josh, you're at 20. So, I mean, we all are in the same boat there. Like, I was the highest on him, 16, 20, and 26. Not that big of a range. That's somewhere where he should have gone is ultimately my point here. Yeah, I wonder if some of these teams, it's if they just had the strategy with... Um, I think a lot of times the playoff teams might get a little bogged down into we're going to look for this type of player to fill this type of hole in the team we have. And they kind of just overlook guys or they... Eventually, you get to a point in the draft where it's like the teams didn't think that they'd have the opportunity to pick an EJ Liddell there, and they'd already been focusing on uh, these projects that maybe they had in the work that they wanted to take and send down to the G League for a while, um, and that they just kind of looked past it. I think there's a point also when you see a guy falling, you're like, oh, wait, what did I miss? <laughs> like, what did I miss? Maybe we shouldn't sure. take this guy because if nobody else is, maybe maybe we miss something here. I'll give you one that I'm just, and I don't, it's too early to be like, well, why didn't they just take this, the him instead of this guy or this guy? Way too early, obviously. It's been a week. Well, actually, it's been five days, four days. <laughs> um, way too early. But I'm just throwing out the window more junior thing because Dallas <laughs> traded uh, him to Minnesota. He was mocked in Minnesota all process until it got really, really close. Like that 19th pick, it was perfect. We, everybody was like, EJ Liddell, best fit there, yada, 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 right? So would Dallas be better off with EJ Liddell right now than... You know, obviously they got Christian Woods, so maybe that was part of that. But just like Dallas would have been a better fit to me, I guess it's more of a question, comment, whatever you guys want to think. But and then like Minnesota had the opportunity to get him multiple times. They traded so many different things and pieces. We'll talk about <laughs> that in a little bit, but with the trade segment here. But gosh, like I just don't, I just don't understand it. There's just so many teams, like you said, in that range where it's like, I think Dallas would have been great with DJ Liddell, Miami. Obviously, they took that, a swing on it. The Lakers like, would have been amazing trading up to 35. I thought that was literally perfect. I thought they were going to take him. I was like, oh, they're at 35. This is great, but they had other ideas. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on those other ideas very right, shortly. Because, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, we we want to – our specific teams, uh, we'll talk about that because of course. There's, there's some things there that I wanted to touch on. <laughs> but, it, yeah, I just – I'm not going to sit here and harp on the A.J. Liddell thing. I'm just glad I mentioned it. So, any other losers that you guys are abs- absolutely dying to make sure you step on the franchise? Um, Hands, feet, Sacramento. Um, Josh. <laughs> okay, so Ryan, okay, so for, lay this out for a second. We do a thing called saving Sacramento. It's probably one of the best <laughs> ideas Josh has ever come up with. I, he, he's humble every time we talk about this. That's why he just said, just do it, say it, whatever. He, it's one of the best ideas he's ever come up with. We literally, about three weeks ago and four weeks ago, implemented a, a saving Sacramento segment. And shout out to TikTok, by the way, most viewed video on our page now so far was saying saving Sacramento. But we just, every week, we have a different, you know, Josh comes up with a scenario where it's like we've talked about the Richwan Holmes situation. We've talked about what we would do at four. And then we talked about maybe what we would do with four if we didn't take the pick. Yeah, it was kind of kind sparked of with when the rumors came out about a month ago that Sacramento wanted to trade the four because they were, they thought they were a win now team. <laughs> and so that's where the. T- <laughs> It's not a good series. The series yeah. is never going to end. It's, it's literally <laughs> no, never going to end. Not. So you're good. It is yeah, not good. saying we're actually getting GM jobs here. To be clear, like this is not the goal. It's we just... are publicly vouching for it, but yeah. <laughs> the Kings are not going to be the team that does it. Is the whole point here. We're just letting so... them know that like we're here if they want. Oh. <laughs> All right, yeah, but so you, then... have, you guys have ideas. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna. I'm glad you brought up the Kings, Josh, because other than what the fact that they were losers, like. I was going to spin it because I knew at some point the Kings would come up and I knew it wasn't going to be at the top. So I was going to spin it as what would you have done as the GM of the Sacramento Kings at four? I would have done nothing different. So it's getting into what <laughs> the issue is. The Kings are the losers, but it's not really their fault, at least not this year. Okay. It's their fault for everything they've done in like the past 10 years. 
because the player that was the best player to pick at four just refused to work out for them and didn't want to go play for them because of how awful they've been over the past 10 years. So they're losers, clearly, um, but it isn't their fault. So you're literally just calling them a loser, technically, for circumstantial reasons. Ryan, what would you have done differently? It doesn't have to be their fault for them to be a loser. They just lost. That's a good point. He said the roster, what they they have is set up for them to fail at four. When the lottery happened, I saw them four, and I was like, they are screwed. They are literally screwed. Like We all knew it was was three and then Ivy, three and then Ivy. We knew it for so long, and I was like, oh, I feel so bad. But, like, I don't know. I wonder. Would you do anything different? I, yeah, I, wa- I wonder what the trade offers actually were. Like, Ooh, I know that the Hawks okay. one, I, I, specifically, that they wouldn't do it because they didn't want to include four to get John Collins with Harrison Barnes. I'm like, that's a better off. That's better than what they did, I think, in my opinion. Because, like, if they were to trade the pick, it looks much better than just passing on the player if it turns out really poorly. Now, I think Keegan has a really high floor. I think he's going to be really good, a mm-hmm. really good number two or three option down the road. I just know that. If Jaden Ivey turns into what he's supposed to do and what he can, like they're going to be like, great, we settled again. And like passing up on the potential and talent to or sacrificing that to win now when you're not even a playoff level team is is pretty ignorant and disrespectful to like the rest, to like what they are. And like they're not self aware of that. And they have they're they need two or three other players if they want to be a playoff team. And I don't know. Best of luck to them if they can do anything else in the offseason. But I would have seriously considered whatever trade offers were out there. John Collins, Jeremy Grant won. I'm sure they were in talks about it. I wouldn't have sent four for him, like OG Ananobi even. I would involve yeah. four in. Again, I don't know what the trade offers were, what the conversations were, but I just like they are definitely a loser in the draft, yeah. Uh, any other losers before we move on? Because this is the last place to just be like, look, these teams just sucked. <laughs> like These teams um, just sucked. Jaden Hardy, I'm going to say, is a loser because he probably lost out on the first-round money that he probably should have gotten. And I think he's going to be quite good um, in the next few years, but he's going to be woefully underpaid for it. That's a good point. Especially on the Mavs, too. He's, yeah. He'll actually have a good role. He'll be, he'll like be good, but scorer, he's going to yeah. be underpaid for what he is for yeah. the start of his career. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Um, I added the trade market also because oh, like you, there's nice. always, it's never – the draft has never has as many trades as people want and expect. But like it felt like this year – we like, we didn't get any top ten picks after four, seven, ten, eleven. We're all being discussed. Take credit for that, by the way. Don't 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 be don't be humble here. Take credit for that because you you did call that. You, well, I, I, I just like knew it was going to happen. Everyone's like, oh, we're getting four, we're getting seven. Like they're they're just going to stay where they are and they're going to draft mm-hmm. and we'll get trades later. But even like John Collins, Brogdon, OG Ananobi, like all these things, and even the Jeremy Grant thing didn't involve this this year at all, basically. Yep. And so it was just underwhelming as always, but I think extra underwhelming. The person that just gave us the last loser is going to open us here up with the, we're going to go over our teams for those that are new here. Uh, Ryan, like he said at the top, is a Hawks fan. Um, curious. We'll probably ask him at some point what that what that reasoning is because we like <laughs> fan origin stories. But like you said, sounds like it's going to take a little while. So um, we'll go with Hawks draft, then we'll go Hornets, then we'll go Lakers uh, in terms of I think just the ones that made the most sense in that order. So recap for those that. For some reason, if they're listening to this and didn't watch the draft, whatever. Uh, the number 16th pick was A.J. Griffin. The number 51st pick was Tyrese Martin out of UConn. Open it up. This is the floor to be like, hey, you know, what? What? this is what I thought about the draft for the Hawks, and this is what I thought about you know, what they could have done maybe differently. However you want to spend this, whatever your burning thoughts have been for the last three days. 
I can't be mad they took AJ Griffin at all. I was probably lower than anyone I've seen, at least, on AJ Griffin. Um, heading into the process, I am looking at my board. I had him at 15. I think most people had him in that like five to 10 range. And that's a big difference at the top of the draft, and especially when you're talking about the lottery and not lottery. Arguably the best shooter in the class. One of the youngest players, if not the youngest player in the entire class, especially in the first round. And I get it. And there's no way you let him slip past 16, especially how easily he fits into the offense next to Trey and everything. It makes it a seamless fit. Um, so I'm not mad at all about that. Although I like when he got drafted, I knew it was going to happen when he was in the board. And I was kind of like very tentative. I am going to be nervous with his injury history, his on-ball ability, his agility. Like there's a lot of things I'm like, ah, mm. um, I really wanted Jalen Williams, Santa Clara guy. Um, but he had, I didn't think he would go at 12. So. So did you think he was going to be there at all? Like, could because I don't think any of the teams after would have taken him after Oklahoma City. The more I thought about it, yeah. So I expected Jalen to be there, and I knew for a fact from personnel that the Hawks were not going to let Jalen Williams pass Pat go past them at sixteen. And he went at twelve, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" The Thunder took him. They don't need him. They have too many guards. (laughs) Too many. Well, it's crazy because I made this joke with uh, with Tyler Rucker from No Ceilings on recently, and I was like, yeah, cool. So, like, they have a guard who's got the wingspan of a power forward. Well, he can play better than what they needed. He really does. It's crazy. Yeah, he does, He's got yeah. this power forward wingspan, and I'm like, cool. So, Jalen Williams, like, can do other things other than be a guard, I guess, right? Um, that was my, like, thing with him. But I, I had him at 12, AJ Griffin we're talking about now. Um, and then Josh also had him at 12, funny enough. Um, so then it's just in that range where you're like, okay, cool. I agree. Some of that stuff with the physicality may be off there, but like he's 18, and if he gets even 70 percent of what he could have been with the with the injuries in high school and the injury, mm-hmm. you know, small injury at Duke, it's like, what is his worst case scenario? Like a 41 percent three point shooter? I mean, right? Like, he's going to score like, 10 to 12 points a game at minimum at his peak, like absolute floor. He's going to score double digits. I'm like, all right, I'll take that. Do you like the fit ultimately? Yeah, like it's like I said, seamless, seamless fit. The way the Hawks offense is built right now, which I don't agree is good for our contending purposes, but it's a good team. It's good enough. Um, is Trey with, Trey with shooters around him. Kevin Herter, Bogey, throwing AJ. He's going to do the same thing. It doesn't solve anything for us, but it doesn't hurt us at all. So we solving is going to be going after DeJounte Murray, DeAndre, and stuff like that. That's another story. Yeah. Keep shooting. So, <laughs> they'll go in, right? I want to flip not too much time on the first. Obviously, we can come back to it. I really do want to understand the second rounder here because it's something that I'm, A, shocked they kind of didn't move because I think, obviously, it could have been involved in some kind of package we talked about earlier hmm. as well as there's just some guys there. So in terms of the deep part of this draft, they got 51. They got Tyrese Martin. And, look, I'm just going to put my little disclaimer out right now. I did 60 prospects in this draft. I maybe sprinkled a little bit outside of that 60 um, but every guy that i valued as a as a top 60 guy um, I, d- I did at least two deep dives on um, and i can tell you i did zero deep dives on tyrese martin so did i guess i'm not going to assume you didn't like the pick a did you like the pick and b if you did not like i probably assume who would you have rather had there that was available i did not like the pick i can say that he was not i did a i have a board of like I, I published like 80, 85. It goes like 130 deep. And Tyrese was yep. one of the guys that was in the bottom of it where I don't even rank the numbers anymore. Wow. Um, <laughs> he's exper- he's an experienced guy. Like they want the, they Bye. want as uh, Landry Fields, who's our new, our new young GM, whiz GM. Love Landry Fields. So do I. I, I do love him. Um, but <laughs> he, he was like, Tyrese is just a dog. Like what she does, dog mentality. He's gritty. He's going to do a lot of the dirty work. 
but like I just don't know if he's the, he's going to be playable on an NBA roster to play enough to have that level of impact to where we can appreciate that. Um, it's kind of like reminds me of like a poor version of how Matisse Thybul does a lot, but he can never play offense enough to be an all NBA de- defensive person. Where Tyrese is yep. never going to be to the caliber all around to be an NBA rotational guy. I think that's my problem. I love Josh Minot, and he was on the board. I think he went next or where, where we were at forty four. Love Josh Minot. Kendall Brown there would have been were, a yep. dream also. So Josh Minot, Kendall Brown. I was convinced they were going to take one of those guys. I was like, oh, this is a no-brainer. We need some athleticism on the wing. This is awesome. We need some size. And they decided – I saw Ryan Rollins. I wasn't mad. And then I saw they traded out, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so, yeah, the Tyrese Spartan thing is funny. It, it reminds me of a little bit of the – is it Amari Spellman, right? That was a couple years yep. ago, that kind of guy in the second round. Like, you take a swing, didn't work. I'm not going to – the fact that I can remember Amari Spellman's name should be a miracle <laughs> for some people. But – it's that kind of guy in that kind of range. Um, I didn't even think about the possibility at 44. I was just going right off of what they had at 51. But, I mean, you get a swap with Golden State. They they knew if that was their guy. It, it's right. exactly what you thought it was going to be. That was exactly. their guy. You're not taking him at 44 if you if you can get the Warriors to go. We like Ryan Rollins. We'll, he was our 28th guy. We'll take him there. It's like, great. That's how the draft works. That's why the second round of way more trades this year. So, um, back to A.J. Griffin really quick. Josh, we both had him at 12. Were you are you happy with the fit at twelve, Josh? Or are you where are you with AJ Griffin? I was very Josh? open in that I don't I don't like AJ Griffin because I think the comparison I've done and I promise it's not just because he went to Duke. But it's I've not had a lot of Cam Reddish concerns about AJ Griffin. And it's just another thing that could be a Hawks issue going forward. Just like Cam Great. Reddish did at Duke, AJ Griffin tended to get lost out. In the play, it was a lot of times you would forget he was there. He didn't impact the game very much. And it just wasn't very clear that um, he was doing much of anything. And I think that's just my concern, that if he doesn't gain enough assertiveness or polish his game up a little bit more, that um, he could be another, basically, a Cam Reddish kind of bust. Somebody, and the reason I threw the, and and look, all the AJ Griffin stuff is fair. I mean, I, I don't. My problem is I had him at 12, and I wanted him to be lower, and I said this verbatim a few weeks ago. Um, I think it was on the mock, but if not before that, I was like, hey, you know, I'm a guy that actually values him at 15 to 16, but don't actually want to be the guy publicly to swallow that pill. He went where I thought he actually should have gone, and I should have swallowed the pill. There's a couple guys there that I would have taken. Justin Lewis, I'm talking 51, because obviously they traded out of 44 at that point. Mm -hmm. We knew. I like Julian Champ. I can always get his name messed up. Julian Champagne. Yeah, it's one of those names that I, I like the guy and I hate <laughs> and I hate pronouncing the name and it's just it's my worst nightmare <laughs> in the draft cycle. Uh, I liked Hugo Basson there, Tevin Brown, Justin Lewis, Alondis Williams, all guys we've uh, a couple of guys we've talked about today. So at fifty one, I think all those guys would have been at least worth a shot from guys I like. Don't really care about the fit at fifty one at that point. But anything else on the Hawks from either of you two fellows before we roll into the Hornets? Because I think the Hornets is probably going to be the one we spend the most time on, mm-hmm. and we're forty five Any... minutes. Deep, so quick takes on what you think the free agency and free agency offseason period should look like in Atlanta. They're going to get peanuts for John Collins because they ruined, they publicly ruined the relationship and they have to trade him at this point because why would he want to, I would never want to come back if I was him. I I don't blame him. And we're going to get probably like a first and like a young player, young role player. And that's going to be it. And I'm fine with that because at this point, like whatever, I don't know. We need DeJounte Murray or DeAndre. And and if we don't get one, then our, our next season is useless. 
Huh? Yeah, as of right now, we're recording this at 9 p.m. Eastern on Monday, June 27th. You're gonna update Twitter. I'm being, I'm being very, I'm being very. <laughs> the Jumpy thing is looking better. Can hear this. As, I know. As it and without John Collins, apparently, I'm like yeah. get a Gallinari and like three firsts and like something. I'm like that sounds crazy to me. That'd be a steal, but okay. Yeah. Right, and it's and I wanted to be clear on the time because people are going to hear this, and he might have been traded at that point by Wednesday <laughs> or Wednesday midnight, and they're going to be like, "But you said," and I'm like, "Just, just remember, we do this on Monday." So yeah. it's like, "Hey, as of right now, Dejounte Murray is not a hawk." So, right. um, but good, yeah, good point there with the draft trades uh, or the trade stuff specifically because I agree that John Collins Bridge was burnt both ways, and I just don't think it's re- uh, repairable. Yeah. Um, let's go and talk about the Hornets for a few minutes because the Lakers won't take a little while at all. I promise. <laughs> So the buzz around. I left space out Why there. Why do you keep added, doing that? I'm three episodes <laughs> in a row adding that in. I've, I've added a, a, a symbol behind it every time. So anyway, the Hornets obviously eventually uh, took Jalen Duran at 13, traded him to Detroit. 15 selected Mark Williams. They traded from 45 to 40 to select Bryce McGowan's. I'm going to get my thoughts out of the way because I have made my thoughts very clear. This is more for Ryan than anybody else because if he hasn't checked out any of the stuff, great. No big deal. I've been Mark Williams truther all year, had him at nine most of the year, um, and then quietly crept him, crept him down a little. Actually, just kidding. I finished him back at nine again. Sorry. <laughs> so Mark Williams at nine, uh, and I obviously was not naive to understand he's not going there. I, I, all year was like, Mark Williams or Chuck Baji, that's the best two picks for the Hornets. That's what should happen, yada, yada, yada. Thrilled to say that's who they got, and then I'm a Bryce McGowan truther as well. I have him in the first round, um, despite contrary to some other people. I'm at 26, like I said, which is a little lower. I know you said you have him at 21. Um, so I overall am thrilled with what they got. And then I'm, you mentioned this earlier a little bit before we got to this, and I'm glad you did, is I, they didn't get nothing for 13. Like I know Jalen Duran's a guy, but they basically were at a, a, a fork in the road, and they picked Mark Williams instead of Jalen Duran. They got a protected Nuggets first in 23 and four first-rounders. I'm not disappointed in the value. I think they actually had a very good draft. Y'all can go right ahead. I'm I'm done on the Hornets because that is all I had to say. The moment it happened, I was like, that that it's gonna be thirty seconds for me. So Josh, go right ahead. I see your um, your the gears going. <laughs> so it's I'm not upset about the Hornets draft. Just to put it out there for the Hornets fan perspective. It's just kind of the order things went in, like, really messed me up on draft night a little bit. It, because bringing home Mark Williams and Bryce McCowns is great, and holding a roster spot open that we don't have to throw the money towards. And I thought the return was fine. The return, the first round pick isn't significant because we're planning on taking it. The first round pick is significant because because of the first round pick that we sent to New York last year, that Atlanta now holds that hasn't been mm-hmm. conferred yet, we can't trade a future first-round pick of ours um, in any trade package. But now that we have Denver's, we can trade Denver's. Um, so it opens up an ability to actually trade a pick, which was the actual, I think, flexibility they were going for. But it's just the fact that Jalen Dern, who I thought was a player should have been taken way before 13, was there, and they announced that they got him, <laughs> and then found out that they didn't. For those watching on YouTube, I'm going to go and do this promo now. Um, in this, I'm pointing at it right now, the little eye in the top right corner of the YouTube video. Please click that. That is the linked video for Josh's reaction live. Um, we, we got in three minutes time. We both got the Jalen Dern pick, the trade, the fall apart. It, right here. You can. I'm, I'm going to wait five seconds. We're going to point. It's right. 
there. Thanks. All right, Josh. A small emotional breakdown. Okay. At um, some point, I was going to do that. I'm glad you let me have five seconds to just point and be like, yeah. right here. <laughs> Otherwise, like, it's great. I think Mark Williams will fit in really well. Um, he's a good rim defender who's going to clearly play a lot in Steve Clifford's new offense. <laughs> Steve Clifford gave Bismack Biombo minutes much longer than he ever should have gotten them uh, towards the end of his career. Um, so a guy that's tall, that has a great wingspan, that can block shots, is going to play a ton in his uh, system. Uh, McGowan's, I think, will thrive in the Greensboro system for a year and then make his way into the rotation as a scorer um, next season, and I think that's going to be good. Yeah, uh, I think it's just a waiting yeah. game in Charlotte still. It's a good point. I think the waiting game is fits with Bryce, too, because like, I see Bryce turning into a Jordan Poole-esque player in a few years, and the Hornets timeline makes sense for him to develop in the G league for a year and like take his time. And just like Jordan pool, like mm-hmm. it took him two years to get to scoring 20, even close to 29 and exploding like that. But it makes sense. Um, and also to work on his polish, the Duran Mark Williams thing, like, like you said, like Josh like Duran was in their lap. Like they were like, to me, I'm all draft. I'm like in videos, tweets. I'm like, they, they're going to do X, Y, Z. But if Duran's at there at 13, they throw everything out the window. They take him there and then they go best at 15 or they trade that away after they get Duran because they got their guy. And that's why I was like, oh, this is great for them. The Mark Williams thing, I had him at 28. I don't know if anybody else has him that low that I've seen. He, I think it's a total of like four times all year he switched on from on the screens onto guards. He literally, he stays home all the time which becomes an issue in the NBA because the pace, because the level it happens, how often the pick and roll is going to happen. Rudy Gobert gets torched for it. He gets torched all over social media for not doing it well enough, but he does it all the time. And he's the best that he's the generational defender, but he gets held to higher standards. Mark Williams is going to have the same issue with defenders like LaMelo on the perimeter. Like Rudy Gobert gets the treatment because of bad perimeter defense from Donovan, whoever Clarkson, whoever's out there, the Hornets are going to be the same exact thing. And Mark Williams won't be held to the standards Regal Bears on day one. Like he shouldn't be, but that's going to be a problem. Switchability is going to be a problem for him, in my opinion. He's a really good shot blocker, like you said, long, good arms, good rebounder, and he's going to do a lot as an anchor. Um, but I think he has a lower ceiling than people realize because of that, um, and like lack of agility is a part of that. That's why he doesn't step out. At least he knows that he won't get embarrassed on the arc, outside of the arc. But um, that was my little rant about Mark Williams. I still think they should have went Duran. I think Duran's awesome. I I had him in my top ten. I think I had like eight or nine, but I don't know. Like you said, they, they could have gone Ochai at 13 and then Mark Williams at 15. They could have gotten both those guys. So Laid that case out uh, on the Swarm, on the uh, Bring the Sting podcast. I was like, hey, you know, 13, 15. Nope. Caps are, uh, and it's, yeah, yeah, Caps aren't going to take him at 14. So I think there's also, there's a lot of the Charlotte Hornets front office, and I mean Mitch Kupchak specifically, that is lying to fans intentionally. Because he's t- said two things going in, like in the post-draft media scrum, he said two things. Two statements that are nearly verbatim that don't make any sense together. One, the Hornets didn't want to add two young players onto the roster uh, because that would kind of decelerate the timeline a little bit of where they wanted to go because they're trying to contend now, obviously. They want to be in the playoffs next year. That's the plan. Mm. He then also said he doesn't expect the Hornets to make a splash in free agency. Those two don't go together. That just means you're going to have an open roster spot. So there, he's clearly lying about something that he's just not putting forward, and there's some alternate plan to bring in an older player than a rookie at 13. But Sounds like he's setting the bar low. Is all. He's setting it very low, yeah. yeah. 
so that when they do Which anything he's, good, either he's gonna be like, right. "Look, look what I did! Look what I did!" When he brings Kimba he back, something? he's gonna have the fans rejoicing <laughs> because they all yeah, just wish he now. was still there. Because there's a large part of Hornets Twitter that thinks these like doesn't want to resign Miles Bridges and thinks we would have been better off if we uh, gave Kimba the max and didn't fire Steve Clifford the first time. I'm gonna cue in a uh, like in post. I'm gonna put like a little Kimba going to Charlotte counter over us. So if like when you he's guys getting bought out by Detroit, later, tell me where you think he's gonna go. The screen's gonna just <laughs> I mean, gonna be like one of those SpongeBob makes, cue cards. It makes more sense SpongeBob than anything cards. in the world because Charlotte's gonna want him, and they're probably the team that's gonna want that's him fair. and be willing no, to great. give him the cushiest deal for it. I'll I'll say this because I said I had nothing else, but I will say the Bryce McGowan's thing. I like the Jordan Poole pool comparison, whether that's a comp or not. Whatever, it's a great analogy. I also think, and this is in no way me writing off James Booknight, but I think he's really good James Booknight insurance. I really do. I, I value him as a better scorer, better playmaker. Long term, I value him a lot better. I did not have Booknight that high last year. The point is, is I think he was unbelievable value at 40, and we'll talk about him in a little bit more detail on my end, at least in a few minutes. But um, I like Bryce McGowan's. I'm very, very high on him. I think that's a great place for him, and I just... I, I mean, if you're just trying to get a guy that you can throw in Greensboro for a year and be like, hey, man, like all that polished stuff, like figure it out. You got a year. Let's just do this. Like we saw what Kai Jones did last year in the last 10, 15 games. He had an unbelievable in finish. So yeah. he could, they can do it there in Charlotte. And also to clarify my Mark Williams take, and it's going to get people mad at some point, Mark Williams is going to go play some games in Greensboro this year. Like that's just the way the Hornets have run things. He's not. He's definitely oh, yeah, not going to start. Like he's yeah. – it's uh, like he's coming in. And I know everyone said, like, Charlotte desperately needed a rim defender, yes. But Mark Williams is probably going to come in, and it's going to be like, okay, rookie, welcome to the league, but you're third string here. <laughs> There's Mason Plumley, and here's Kai Jones, who's been working and playing basketball professionally for a year, and now you got to make your way. you got to work your That's way really up really good. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I am scared, also, I will say, about the Bryce thing also, that yeah. you mentioned Booknight. Like, that's scary to me that Booknight didn't get the PT, that he should have gotten more to PT, whether you think he's good or not. He had to get some some more burn in that last year. That scares okay. me for Bryce this year, next year, in three years. Now they did make some staff changes, stuff like that. I get that, but it's it's if it's anything close to the same system, like we'll know in the first week if Booknight's getting a lot of burn, then we'll be Bryce will be fine also. But it just makes me a little nervous there also. No, yeah, and I and I also have to say thank you because we both while we're both high on Bryce McGowan's, I think there's a, at least a realization point that he went yeah. to a place where he, we we need to give him time. You know, we mm -hmm. being you and I because. We both happened, Josh. I don't remember. Superstar right day one. <laughs> like to be let's roll. In um, Greensboro, I also have yeah, to say yeah, thank yeah, you. Really. That's right. He's got 100%. the keys to the Greensboro going, offense. It's true. Yeah, I'll be going to a ton of Greensboro Swarm games. I'm really excited. So the other thing is, I do want to. Th Josh is going to love this. I do want to thank you, and then we can move on. I do want to thank you for being the first person on our show this year to be contrary on Mark Williams because most people have had him in the range we've all had him in, <laughs> me being the highest of everyone. And <laughs> that's great because I really do think it's a good reality check. It's a great, you know, contrary point to be like, look, he's got these things that he needs to work on. He's got these things that he could be. He's got these things that could limit him. That's great. I need to hear that because, of course, when I have a guy every year and I have one guy every year that's just falling the sword for it, that's my guy. I appreciate the contrary because we do need that sometimes where it's like, cool, everybody all year, Mark Williams to Charlotte. It happened. But then, but oh, now let's be realistic. 100%. Now let's be realistic on where. And even Jordan made the comment on the phone jokingly, like, we'll, we'll put aside the, the Duke stuff. And I was like, great. This is awesome. Jordan's uh, trying to be funny with his draft pick. So. <laughs> Really quickly, the Lakers drafted at 35, Max Christie. Uh, we talked about earlier a guy that was possibly on the board there, A.J. Liddell. Josh had already left at that point. Actually, no, you stuck around for that. Mm -hmm. So, E.J. Liddell, 
was a guy I was like, I didn't necessarily think about the trade up part. I just, honestly, it got to a point where I forgot he was uh, still on the board because he had fallen so far. Like it got to a point where I genuinely was like, wait a minute, EJ Liddell. Like I figured out afterwards, and I was like, oh my god, he was available. I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> However, um, this is this could not have gotten any better for me in terms of somebody who uh, I have a handful of guys. Obviously, like everybody does, Max Christie's one of them. Uh, I think he's an unbelievable defender. The point I'll make here, I won't spend forever on this because they made one pick and it doesn't really matter per se right now. Um, like I said, I'm a lated, excuse me, tall, lengthy defender who can at least play his way into a rotation, whether it's on the Lakers or whether in the future, like if he doesn't succeed well here in Los Angeles, he can move on and be a good player. Um, I think the shot can develop. I'm not as high on like the Dyson Daniels part of it where it's like that's another guy who's really good, tall defender that the shot I do really believe in uh, as a comp, but it's the point I took away with going back through his second deep dive was if Tom Izzo trusts a freshman this much when he was at one point going through really big struggle stretches, like it there's that's that that's gotta be something I have to take into consideration. If Tom Izzo trusts a freshman, a true freshman that much, then th- there's gotta be some talent and, and, and just a potential there that some people might not have seen. If that kind of caliber coach trusts that kind of guy who doesn't normally trust those guys. There's a reason he went at 35. Like, Guy, there's He's a reason why they, Pat Baldwin Jr. went in the first round. There's a reason why Caleb Houston went in the early second, too. Like, these guys still have upside, and like, obviously, front offices spend a lot more time talking to them, studying them, like, better understanding of the, of it all than we do. Um, and there is a re- people obviously buy into it. And like, but also, like, I don't know, the pick, I thought they were taking Jaden Hardy 100%. I was like, he just seems like a Lakers player. I was like, oh my God, this is going to be perfect. But, Guys like that, and even like going to Ryan Rollins, other guards that like I just thought we're gonna be able to service day one, especially after seeing they picked up Scotty right. Pippen so fast, Scotty Pippen Jr. I was like, Kenny Chandler was still on the board too. I was like, uh, it was just a little a little mind boggling, but I don't like hate it or like not understand it too. I wasn't shocked per se, to be clear, but I also yeah. agree that all those guards could have been taken, and I would have been happy. I also would have been happy with Kendall Brown. Like, I really wouldn't have. I would have. Sure. I would have been like, cool. Kendall Brown, a guy they can throw out there for eight minutes and get five, six thousand, <laughs> you know, and just, just be a guy that can play and, and, and grow into what he has. So, um, quickly, Josh, uh, any thoughts on the Lakers draft? You didn't really give me any because the moment the pick was in, you had your bag ready, you were gone. I You're was... like, I got to get rolling. I was like, darn. I don't have uh, much thoughts. I, I mean, like, I think Christie's a good, I mean, that's a good shout um, there at 35 for the Lakers. For a team that kind of needs something to move the needle a little bit, I don't think it's necessarily it. But sure. Yeah, I had him at like 20. I moved him as I was making the uh, the article to post on our website. Um, I had put him at 28 instead of 29. I flopped him. So, I mean, I'm happy for the value. In terms of where I valued him, I'm happy with the value that they took. So, um, thank you guys for sticking to the one and a half minutes on the Lakers because that's about all I deserved. <laughs> Despite my thoughts on Max Christie. So, Josh, uh, I know you. we texted back and forth as we were build, building this stuff together. We wanted to go over just any other trades we might not have talked about. Um, I'm not shocked we talked about most of them. I feel like the second round is really where we went like trade heavy. But, obviously, in the first, you had your Oshman Jang's trade. The Jalen Duran stuff we hit on already. Jake Laravia, David Roddy. The Walker Kessler trade we didn't talk about. Wendell Moore trade we didn't talk about. Peyton Watson uh, was part of that Oklahoma City deal. Uh, and I think I'm just talking about like the Kendall Browns of the world, the Ishmael uh, Kamigates, the Josh Minot. So any trade, Josh, that you wanted to talk about really quick? or uh, um, I think the one you didn't mention probably, the only like significant player swap, uh, D'Anthony Melton heading up to Philadelphia. That's right. Yeah, so D'Anthony Melton, I thought it was a, I think it's a really good spot on both sides. 
Melton provides a good versatile player to add to Philly's team and they're trying to contend, I thought it was a very good alternative to taking a rookie when you're trying to get into contention there. Even though it seems like maybe they're not going to keep him, I thought Danny Green to Memphis would have been a good thing for Memphis maybe to hold on to. Mm -hmm. Maybe not at the money, but like adding in a veteran who has won championships on three different teams to kind of provide veteran leadership and good shooting, maybe not the worst idea. I don't. We'll see if they keep him around. Um, if they do, I think it's a very good move for the Grizzlies. I agree. I think anything that you can do to not have Shake Milton be your backup in the playoffs, I think that's a really good deal. Um, D'Anthony Milton showed last year, or this year, uh, past year in Memphis, that he can be a good backup guard. So, um, Ryan, any trades or any thoughts on D'Anthony Milton? I'm I am still shocked Josh just went there. but I am still slightly scarred, even though the Hawks won the series. Uh, Shake Milton would come in the second unit in the seven game series last year in the playoffs and drop like 20. He dropped 20 in one of the games. <laughs> and I was in literally in like 10 minutes. And I was like, what in the world just happened? Like, I, Shake Milton just, we got Shake Milton. That's what got happened. <laughs> exactly. We got, got Shook Milton. We got Shook Milton. <laughs> I just Great. like, but it does make sense for them. Um, the Josh Minot one is one I'll say, like, I knew I was hiring him the most for obvious reasons on the college sure. production and stuff, but I studied him more than almost all prospects because of like him and Peyton Watson. I studied a lot more because like there's not, I need to study as much as I can. Cause there's not, it's not that easy on those guys. Um, right. The Peyton Watson, like I love Josh Minor. I thought the pick was great. I also don't, the Peyton Watson thing, like the Nuggets traded up to 30 and that's who they were targeting. Maybe someone else wasn't on the board that they thought it was going to yeah. be on the board, but that's who they were targeting. It made no sense to me, especially after the Christian Brown pick, who's going to help them contend and Peyton Watson's going to do the opposite of that. So I like, a guy who averages like three points in college on 30% from the field. Like you just can't, I, it's sometimes it is that simple. So mm. I push back a little bit on that. Cause at that yeah. point, if you got Brown and you were happy with Brown and I think Denver was, cause they took him at 21, yeah. obviously. And at that point, like you can take a risk because obviously Good Michael point. Porter Jr. Like health rise. You've got him on a five year you know contract. I'm not saying Peyton Watson at any point is going to be Michael Porter Jr. Production, <laughs> but I'm saying like you have the guys in front of him. You don't have to worry about playing him. No, that's a good point. He's not. He probably won't play a single NBA minute this year. So, hundred percent. And now I agree for the value sake. hundred percent. I'm like cool. Thirty. That's uh, very <laughs> yeah, odd. Uh, we did a, we did the mock where you, each person gets a one, two, three, etc. And uh, I was lucky enough to get the last pick, and I took Christian Coloco, who I agree I think would have been, you know, anybody other than Peyton Watson. He was the guy I would have put there where it's like, hey, a fit, you know, short term and long term. Especially when they took Kamigate later on, like it would have been a very similar. Mm-hmm. Could have, I mean, I thought Kamigate was going to go in that thirty to thirty-five, forty range, where Coloco went also, but he he started to slide out. And the Nuggets, I think the Nuggets traded up for that one also in the second round. So it's, I thought that that kind of balanced out the Watson thing for me. In terms of trade, I guess it is important to note we mentioned the Jaden Hardy trade to Dallas mm-hmm. from Sacramento. Josh mentioned Sacramento as the loser there. I think uh, <laughs> that might be another place where you're like, I know Jaden Hardy, you don't need a guard. I get it, but whatever. I don't know. I'm just a little weird. I don't know that. if they keep trading um, away the good ones, then maybe they should add more. But If Ivy and Hardy both succeed, like, right away, like, oh, yeah. they can't, they, nice. oh man, if I'm a Kings fan, like, yeah, I, feel, I feel bad for them. I already do, but, like, that would be awful. Kings fans, are, this is the second time we've talked about them, but Kings fans are funny because, like, they there was literally a guy – Younger guy, too. It was really funny. A picture that went crazy on NBA Twitter. Guys wearing a Tyrese Halliburton Kings jersey at the finals in in, in oh, yeah, Or yeah. in Chase. I was like, these guys are... They're, I'm still not over the... And it's amazing that we didn't start this segment back when they traded Halliburton. I'm still not over that you had someone who was talented enough to be your franchise player to build around. 
who said verbatim all the time, I want to be here in Sacramento. You know how few players say, I want to be here in Sacramento? <laughs> they had one, and they traded him to Indiana. <laughs> it just doesn't at least make any De'Aaron, sense. At least De'Aaron was averaging like 28 and 7 after the trade. But like yeah. he was whoever was getting traded, the other one was going to go off, obviously. That's a good point, though. That like he literally like I remember seeing all that stuff. He's like, I love this place. I want to turn it around here. And not that, not like not against the Aaron Fox because like he doesn't have to say that. You don't have to go above and beyond like that. Yeah. But it's a good point. But he hasn't not said it. Uh, I'll <laughs> I'll digress. Uh, any other trades that we want to hit? Obviously, we talked about Kendall Brown, Ishmael Kamagate, Ryan Rollins. I think we've hit them all actually. I think about it. I think we've literally mm-hmm. talked about every one of them. So, Hugo Besson, the last pick of the draft. Right. I, I love that. I love Hugo Besson, so I love the Bucks going to get him. I think he could be in the in the rotation next year at some point. So that'd be cool. Shout out to yeah. the New Zealand Breakers. I didn't see anybody putting out when they put out the list of players drafted. New Zealand Breakers need to be there at two. They had two drafted players. Yeah. So. That's right. And Luke Travers, Luke Travers, he's not he's in the NBL. He wasn't Breakers, but it's another NBL yeah. guy, which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. The the second round as a whole, if we're talking about we're back to winter somehow, the, the second round as a whole had so many really like diverse yeah. area. I mean, it was just unbelievable how many guys. I don't know that can happen, but it just seems like it was a lot more, especially in that latter part. Um, shout out to thank you, Josh, for doing that. Shout out to the New, New Zealand Breakers for the follow on Twitter. Let's go ahead and go into steals because that won't take very long. And then I have a question to end it out for you guys because I always ask a question that is completely out of left field. That's just what we do. And then you'll get your plugs, and then we'll get you on your way. Um, really quick on steals, I'll get my two big ones out of the way, and then I have a really lengthy list of guys that I think where for value where I had them, to be clear, of guys where I had them and where they went was, I think, a good steal for the team based on my value and my value alone. But two steals in general were Jaden Hardy for me and Kendall Brown. I had Kendall Brown in the top 20, and I cannot believe he went that late. Like, I am absolutely <laughs> floored by that. Like, I just think there's talent there. For me, it was – and I made this case on the mock. I said, there's not that big of a gap for me between, and, and, and he's you know really big guy for you, but I don't think there's a gap between him and his teammate, Jeremy Sohan. I think they're both similar style players and prospects. I know you for a fact like Jeremy Sohan more, Ryan, but I just think there's, a, I don't think the gap is 35 some picks between those two. Sure. I think Kendall Brown's more valuable than that. So um, guys, any thoughts? I know we talked about Jaden Hardy at length already, but any thoughts on those two specifically Kendall Brown? I agree with the Kendall Brown 100%. Like, I I know I thought scouts were going to be higher on him because of if his shot projected any decently. Like, he was going to be a steal no matter what because of his athlete athleticism, athleticism athletic upside. Excuse me, um, and also a young profile. He's age, his age, and I don't, I don't know. I shouldn't understand his, his slides similar to EJ like we talked about before. Like, it just he slid so far where we're missing something. There's conversations going on in front offices that we don't know about. But I agree with you, Josh Kendall Brown thoughts. I'm, not, I'm sure there's not like a, a, a stockpile that you have of Kendall Brown thoughts, but no, nope. you know. he went to the. I think he went to a great place in Indiana. <laughs> not a I really do. Not a big fan of the Baylor guys. Any of them currently? All right, whatever. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that uh, uh, that NCAA tournament game got really ugly. That's all I'll say. That was the yeah. best game of the tournament. Oh my god, it was so much it fun. It was. It got ugly for a while though. It did. Yeah. All right, Josh, biggest steal, and then Ryan, biggest steal after that. Oh, uh, biggest one. I think the biggest one I went with Ty Ty Washington. I, I like think that. Like twenty nine, that is just so low down the board. I know that a lot of teams didn't need guards, and there wasn't a lot of like big uh, hope for guards in this draft. Ty High didn't wow anyone with his athletic ability, but I thought he's just from a skilled perspective, just a really well put together point guard. And anybody who's throwing up like a seventeen assist game in college, 
to me is like that's an incredible passer. Uh, you know how difficult it is in a college yeah. basketball game with the level of talent of people scoring around you to get 17 assists. Uh, that was incredible. Um, yeah. I think he's going to be very good. Uh, my other big ones were Branham that I talked about, Jalen Duran and Jaden Hardy. Imagine if yeah. Severe, Severe Wheeler didn't play on Kentucky last year. Ty Ty would have averaged like literally eight, nine assists a game yeah. and been one of the top in the country. And like people don't realize that. I agree with I'm with that. I, th- I push back slightly on the uh, 17 assist game specifically because I know that's a <laughs> great showing of seven. And, and people are laughing probably, but like I, I'm pushing back because it was against Georgia. All jokes aside. Still, like you just. <laughs> I know. Just to get the guys around you to knock those shots down. Yeah. In an SEC right, game, yeah. if you put on the flip yeah. side, you don't tell the opponent it was an SEC yeah, game. Yeah, it's an SEC game. <laughs> Even if they won like six games all year. Yeah, they did. I think it was literally six, which yeah, is hey, neither here nor there. Biggest deal for you. Um, Ty Ty was on there. I've talked about Bryce a ton. I don't need to go into it again. Like, I'm just really confident I'm his game long term. Bryce, yeah, Josh yeah, Minot's another guy. Right. Yeah, Josh Minot's another guy at 45. He ended up going. That his physical profile is just like he's gonna be. He's gonna impact a, a championship, or maybe not championship level team, but a playoff contending team within the next few years. That the Timberwolves are going to be 100. No matter whether they're going to be a six seed every year or a one seed in a few years, like they're going to be that level that needs guys like that. Um, I compare him to OG Anobi. People will like without a three point shot yet because he didn't shoot the ball at all at Memphis, but he looked decent in workouts. His mechanics are heavily improved. I saw from his camp. I think defensively, he's OG Anobi. So I hope he has that upside. We'll see about that at 45. But other than that, there's not a ton of guys. I know that Andrew Nembhard is going to be good in the league. Like, it's so easy to see him being good. 31 was good, was exactly where I had him going, where I thought he was going to go. But at the same time, there's not going to be 30, 31 good players in this class. There never is. So when there's 10 of them, and then he's in that 10 to 15 range, like, he reminds me a lot of like Brogdon and stuff like that, who's very like underrated his whole career. He like he's underappreciated and he's gonna be a top fifteen player from the class because there's never gonna be thirty good players in the class. So Yeah, I um I like the Nimhard one. It it made me uh I mentioned this to Tyler off recording when we when we uh, had Tyler Rucker on and I was like, Well, one of the guys that knows ceilings, I think it was Grugel, had him at sixty on his big board. <laughs> and I just and I knew that your I knew your thoughts and I go, Wow, that is quite the gap from two guys that I trust. It's like <laughs> hmm. 60-30. Someone's got to add this up. I just, I don't know. So we'll find I out, there. I guess. We're going to find right. out. Right. <laughs> track record's there. We all uh, we all had similar ones. Like I said, these are the guys I mentioned that had the biggest gap that from my value would, was Marjan Bochamp. Uh, I do think he went higher than I think some people might have thought. I think it was a great place. Um, I was a little bit higher on him. Uh, Nikola Jovic, I did not think that was a heat pick, but I did like where he went in terms of the value. Ty Ty, we already mentioned. Nimhar, we already mentioned. Coloco. Can't stress that enough. Should not have been a second round pick to my in my eyes. Max Christie, Kennedy Chandler was a great one guy. Came around on late. Bryce McGowan's already talked about. EJ Liddell already talked about. Trevor Kills and Hugo Bisson. All guys just in general that went later than they should have in my valuations. I will say one thing on the Jovich to Miami that I found interesting of why it's oh. a good fit because he's the complete opposite of what they tend to do in Miami. The big, one of the biggest concerns I saw about him was Jovich isn't going to be able to play defense at like the NBA level he comes in. In Miami, everyone else can in the elite at a high level, so he doesn't have to. Sure. It's basically just the thought. They they just want him to go out there and score. My immediate takeaway the moment I heard the name was, well if they're not gonna play Duncan Robinson, they're paying him ninety million, but if they're not gonna play him in the playoffs, I guess they're gonna try to find his replacement really early in this contract. I was like, whoa. <laughs> I don't know. I was hanging out with a heat fan today and I was like, hey man, so like ninety million and you're 
going to play him one minute in the playoffs. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah, as soon as he got picked, I was like, I was just like, hmm. I, I just sat there and I was like, what do I say? I don't know. <laughs> like, this is weird. <laughs> Any Anybody else you guys were like, hmm, big steals. I think we covered a lot. I mean, there was a lot. Yeah, of Chad Holmgren at two. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, think I we, believe that. It, oh, that's not a joke, but yeah. I would say for Josh and I specifically, we spent more time on this draft than we did last year because we were newer to the podcast cycle and the draft cycle. I've been looking at drafts in detail for a couple of years, but it's I think there's more steals because I think we feel strongly about a lot of these guys. I yeah. think this is just we, we spent a lot more time this year than we probably ever have. Um, last year, I think the only two steals we really took away were I had Cam Thomas. I thought was a great steal because the guy was high on. And then Josh and I both agreed. I think we had like one steal really we wanted to come into and not tell each other. And it was Dayron Sharp, which was <laughs> hilarious because it was like, by the way, we both picked the same guy. One of us and one of us isn't. So Dayron Sharp was our big steal. And I think it was a quality choice. So this year, we've got plenty of guys on record who might be huge steals. So. That's a good point about like feeling good about the guys. Like I should not have watched probably like 20 hours of Josh Minot film in the last <laughs> years. Like, yeah, that one you might need therapy, yeah. but okay. <laughs> to, to a point therapy. where I've like, I've spoken to his family on Twitter too many times. They're very <laughs> active on Twitter, retweeting a lot of the stuff about him. And it's gotten to a point where I just keep doing it. I'm like, Oh my God, I got to stop. Like I, 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 Oh man, that's awesome that the family got involved too. I think it's hilarious. Cause I mean, how many people in the draft cycle are that high on him? you and probably a handful so that's they're they're probably taking note of that you might get an interview one day you never know that's crazy sure, i'll try to link um up. yeah i'll definitely uh, send out a tweet in a couple of days that says this is a josh minot uh <laughs> this is a safe place and just be like the only like set it to where on twitter the only reply can be you know it's just me yeah it's literally just me this is a safe place <laughs> like it'll be great okay. 45 is a good spot for him <laughs> Really quick, I had two questions. I had one, and then we talked about this guy a little bit earlier at some point. I think you actually brought him up, Ryan, but um, I just really quickly wanted some thoughts on him. Um, and then I definitely want – I always have one question I like to throw off the wall here to kind of end this on a light note. I think he could have went nowhere better, he being Patrick Baldwin at 28 to Golden State. Where are you on – and I, I didn't have a chance to pull up your big board before we started this. Where do you have Patrick Baldwin, and do you think he will work out long term? I don't. I know it's a second. I have him in like the forties. I think. I know. I knew that a team was going to take him earlier. That be, same with Houston and Christie. Like I knew that was going to happen, which I, I get. The Warriors are. He, he's going to be good in the Warriors. Like there's just no doubt in my mind. Because like why? Why wouldn't he be good in the Warriors? And that is a perfect spot. And like that's why I didn't want to call that a reach here or anywhere else. I didn't want to say like the Warriors really screwed up, even though I didn't give them a, a very very generous grade. Um, that was the whole whole draft. But they, like he. If he turns out to score to be with MPJ, a healthy MPJ, then I'm like, yep, that sounds about right. The Warriors got another one. <laughs> All right. Let me uh, Josh, check where uh, I have Patrick, Patrick Baldwin. Baldwin. Santa Cruz. I have him Santa Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> you're here. You look, you walked eggshells with, with Knicks fans and then everything else. You were like, nah, what have I got to lose? <laughs> so that's fine. No, that's fair. 41, um, by the way, was I found it's not it 40s. It is 40s, but it's early 40s. 41. That's good. Yeah. Um, I had him pre-cycle for uh, pre, sorry, not cycle pre-tournament. Uh, I had him at fourteen, mm-hmm. uh, and then I adjusted some things, and then twenty is where I landed, just based on some potential uh, and enough. just other things that I don't have time for right this moment. <laughs> that was my that was my uh, Josh might not, but I think it was a lot of people's Josh might not too. So this is one that I I wanted to flirt with because I think that I, I, I is this your big uh, podcast ending question or is this another play? No, no, no. It probably gets any question. So okay. I want to leave with this and then Ryan can plug away and we can get out of here. So 
it happens every year. We may not find out about it for X amount of years, right? Or we hear about it pre-cycle. And what I'm referring to is the, is the first round promise. Mm. Who in the world got the first round promise this year? Because here, here's, before you say anything, either of you, here's where I went immediately. And I went, wait a minute, this guy went second, was Andrew Nimhard, Caleb Houston, Max Christie, Jalen Williams, all guys that went literally 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, all guys that I thought were getting first round promises, right? Patrick Ball went aside because I think that was just the Warriors taking a good fit there. I'm going to go with safely outside of the lottery. Who outside of the lottery, or first round if you think there's one in the lottery, who the heck got a first round promise? Because you know every year it happens. Clearly David Roddy. <laughs> he had two years of eligibility left. and I was just I was looking up his eligibility to make sure he wasn't like out of time in college. That's, good. Uh, That's a good point. Yeah, he like because I don't. He was kind of just the one that came out of nowhere to be uh, that high first round pick. So I think like there's a lot of guys that get first round promises, right? Like if you go on the line, like Matt Brand and Walker Kessler, guys that were in the late first, like you knew, but we also knew they were sure. going there. It wasn't a surprise. Okay. But like in terms of the guys you guys are targeting, where like they maybe they could have gone back to school and it was surprising that they stayed, like Houston, Christie, all those guys. I, I still think Caleb Houston might have gotten one because I don't think promises are always 100% concrete. And the fact that he went 32, where, say, like, the Grizzlies said that, but they, they saw Ty Ty at 29, right? Or, sorry, the Rockets, sorry. The Rockets saw Ty Ty at 29, and they are like, we have to take him there. Like we're, we're, we have no choice. We have to take him when they were originally at 26, whatever. Maybe they gave him the promise, but other guys dropped. Like, that happened with the Hawks last year. I know this for a fact. They had their eyes on Cam Thomas. They said 100% we're taking him, and they couldn't pass up Jalen Johnson, they said. So I I think that happens from time to time. Um, other than that, I think Patrick Baldwin probably got one um, because everyone in the world doesn't like doesn't like him for the most – he's very polarizing. That's what it is. Um, so I think he definitely got one, but deservingly so. And maybe Peyton Watson, but probably not because he went 30. So that's kind of like – I don't know. Hey, we'll take you. We traded up to get the insurance for you. It's like, hey, we got 21 and 30. It's like, maybe, yeah. Maybe he got it too late, like later than he expected. But I still think Caleb Houston got one. And he slid two extra picks. And he was like, ah, whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't necessarily disagree on Caleb Houston. Because I I was fully convinced on the Juwan Howard fix being in. I was fully convinced that people were taking him. I think they thought, honestly, I think he would have. This is my, you know, um, tinfoil hat conspiracy theory for this draft. Is if Nikola Jovic was taken before the Heat's pick. Because like Josh said, very contrary to Heat for picking mm-hmm. like a Jovovich type player. Um, I think if he's gone it before 27, I 100% think Caleb Houston is the pick there. Because he does. Yeah. is a guy that can translate into a defender, be a good shooter, etc. I'll, yeah. I'll go even further on one thing. It's not the first round promise. I just want to point out what Ooh. seems kind of clear. Okay. I think the Orlando Magic told Jabari Smith they were taking him. Um, and then they changed oh, this their is mind good. at the last minute. Oh, okay. Because I don't good. see how a player like I know you're confident, but how do you only work out for the top two teams unless one of them's told you that they're taking you? Yeah. Like OKC definitely told Chet that he was getting taken by them. Like that's why he like. I do agree with there. that. J- yeah. Jabbar's reaction too. He said something yeah. like, "You know, I'm happy to be here where I'm wanted." Whatever. Like he had a little bit of animosity in it, but like oh, he yeah. had he no knew, idea really... that he was going to go. He was going to be on the board at three. He yeah. had no clue. And so I think that Orlando told him something and then the last few days they were like oh never mind <laughs> last few hours <laughs> yeah i'll end with this my first round promise i actually do think happened um and that's the whole reason i even had this question um regardless of his status as a junior coming out of duke i do think Wendell Moore jr got a first round promise i just as somebody me personally who did not value him there um by any stretch 
44-ish, I think is where I had him. I just can't see Minnesota, who had multiple picks. They were moving all around the end of the first and the beginning of the second. They wanted to put themselves in a position to have or get him there, and they knew Dallas was probably going to move the pick. They did. They ultimately got him at 26. So I just, I don't think, I, I think you guys are right on the path that I don't think there's necessarily a first-round promise verbatim that actually went through because the Caleb Houston mm-hmm. one would be the one that should have happened and fell through. Like I said, fully convinced on the Miami thing for a while. Uh, Window Moore Jr. is my answer, so that was the whole reason this segment came up. On that side, I will say, do not underestimate the power of Mike Krzyzewski to get one of his players a spot. I'll throw it the other way. I don't think it's just him. Um, I think I said, like, going into the draft, I didn't think Brady Manick was going to get picked by anybody at the end of the second round. He wasn't that good, uh, good enough to do that. And I thought, like, well, like, worst comes to worst if nobody wants to pick him up for their summer league team. Charlotte will, because Roy Williams will just make a call to NJ, <laughs> and he'll find a spot on the Charlotte. And it literally happened. Yeah, good point. No. It's a very good point. It's like, if nobody else will, and it might not even take a phone call. Like, Michael Jordan is going to, and he's always done this. Like, Joel Berry spent his last professional basketball years playing for the Swarm. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's a big Carolina guy, like, and nobody else will give him a shot, Michael Jordan will give him a shot. Give him PT. You got an entire Swarm thing that you could put him mm-hmm. on. Like that, no, no reason not to. Yeah. No reason not to, so guest uh, always gets the handful of minutes seconds whatever you want it to be uh, plug away they'll also be linked uh, and i'll just do the youtube part of it now they'll be linked right here below on youtube uh, as well i guess technically on a podcast app it would be below as well regardless uh thank you for coming on my friend plug away sure uh i do appreciate y'all for having me this is a good first time hopefully not the last um but y'all can find me twitter's ryanhammer09 tiktok and instagram and youtube is ryanhammer9 Twitter, someone someone took my name. Someone has the name and won't give it up. Hasn't tweeted in 10 years. I have a, a bone to pick with them, but whatever. Dang. Funny you say that. We have a bone to pick as well. So if the at two-pointers on Instagram is taken right now and they're listening, uh, we're coming for you. We're, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're, we don't exactly. want a legal battle you, but we, we want to win that battle. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it's, know how uh, many times you can report per month, but I've done it at least 30 times uh, trying yeah. to get at two-pointers on Twitter. Because they, they have the little thing that says for sale, whatever, whatever. So at least you have a battle that may eventually be won. Ours, we may have to pay out. It kind of sucks, which we're not going to do. I wish I had the even the option to do that. I I've been trying to connect with this person. Whatever. You know, y'all know where to find me. That's where it is. I appreciate y'all for having me. It'll on. be below, like you said. Uh, I love it. I was going to ask you, jokingly, like, 09. I was like, was 08, 7, 6? Like, was the, were they all taken? But Nine's my number. I, I was a, a young a young lad. But um, got it. Na- the 09, never. <laughs> gotcha. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on. Uh, this has been a really fun episode of the Two Pointers Podcast. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, TikTok, Facebook, all that stuff for us. Subscribe, like, comment. Thank you. And Josh, close us out. Oh, this has been another episode of the Two Pointers Podcast as now we uh, plunge into free agency. Hope you all have a good week, and we will see you soon.